from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Welcome to all of you hither and yon. You have tuned in to the Badass Counseling Show. My name is Sven Erlinson, the host of the show. This show... This is a counseling episode coming to you on a Thursday. Our counseling episodes are always so juicy and we've got a great guest tonight. But I want to give a particular shout out this evening because, well, I want to. I'm giving a particular shout out to all of the folks at the great Minnesota get-together. My home state every year, my favorite day of the year is the day that I fly back to Minnesota and my girlfriend and I go to the Minnesota State Fair. It is the largest state fair in the country. Texas claims otherwise, but Texas leaves its doors open 10 days longer. Yes, Minnesota is the biggest and the best to all of you in the cow barns, the sheep barns, and the pig barns that I've visited, and all you young folk tending all those animals. Greetings to you, to Princess Kay of the Milky Way and her face carved in butter. Yes, to the workers at Tiny Tim Donuts and the fried pickle stand, and especially to the Minnesota sweet corn. Folks around the world, you ain't never had sweet corn, corn at all, unless you have had Minnesota sweet corn. I tell you that as a matter of absolute fact. So this is our dedication show to the great Minnesota get-together, my home state. I am joined in studio today by KC over in the booth. Sometimes she sneaks out. She almost snuck out tonight, but then Rob started the show and she snuck right back in. I'm also joined by Carly, the studio cat, whom you cannot see, but I sometimes can feel her rubbing against my leg. And lastly, I am joined by Rob the Rocket, who never rubs against my leg, and quite frankly, I'm grateful for that. How are you this evening, Rob? I'm fine, Sven. Good to see you. I think I'm finally getting the hang of this podcast thing. It's like, uh, you know, I've been in therapy for 20 years, and they say he's making good progress. (laughs) Well, you are, in fact, the master. No progress necessary, my man. Well, Rob, we have a Very interesting guest tonight that uh, you and Casey have picked out of the hat of the thousands of people we get writing into the show. We have Jennifer with us, um, and I want to hear about Jennifer before we dive in. Would you go ahead and read the paragraph on Jennifer, please, Rob? Absolutely, Sven. Here's what came out of the sorting hat about uh, Jennifer. I've loved a sex addict for eight years. I've stuck by through every single dirty revelation. I've even allowed it at times, just so I didn't get sidelined if I found out, just as long as he was truthful and he still lied. This man showers me with love and is extremely giving and thoughtful and says he's miserable, but he can't help himself, so then I feel sorry and stay. Last month, he found out he had a 10-month-old, and now this week, he has the baby full-time. He told his family the mom is deceased. He told no one until two days before he got the baby. I don't live with him anymore, so I am now shut out with nothing but a few text crumbs saying we'll talk soon and leaves me on read or read, I'm not sure. My anxiety has me climbing up the walls and I feel paralyzed. Feeling lost? Please help. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is completely ours. Thank you for coming on the show. (laughs) Um, Well, let's go ahead and sort of jump into the deep end. Um, How many times, if you were to put a number to it, has he cheated on you? That I know of? Yes. Oh, gosh. 30 or 40? 30 or 40. And that's over how long a period of time? Eight years. Over eight years. Okay. And is that 30 or 40 different women or some smaller number of women 30 or 40 times. So like one woman he slept with 10 times. and, and, and They th- tend to be one-night stands, a lot of them, maybe oh, two. Okay. Or he kind of keeps them around in case oh. he needs to call on them again. So I'd say that many times for okay. sure. 30 to 40 times that you know of over, uh, over an eight-year period. I'm going to ask you what is going to sound like a really stupid question, but it's an mm-hmm. honest question, okay? Mm-hmm. You opened by saying, I loved a sex addict for eight years. Um, again, it's going to sound stupid, but uh, it's an honest question. How do you know he's a sex addict? Well, that is a good question. I'm going to assume he has not been diagnosed as a sex addict by a psychologist or a sex uh, addiction professional. Is that correct? 
That's right. He did go to one of those SA anonymous groups before, or he says he did. Okay. And he said they just can't help him. And, and, and I, and I always take what he says with a grain of salt because I just don't know anymore. What's the truth. So I question that myself. Is he actually, or is that the excuse that he gives to uh, do what he does? Right. Uh, That would be, yeah, that's certainly understandable. Uh, What's interesting though, before you mention the word sex addict, you say, I loved a sex addict for eight years. You use the past tense of love. Uh, You say, I loved, which implies you don't anymore. But then you end your whole thing by saying, I'm now shut out with nothing but a few text crumbs saying, we'll talk soon. And then he leaves me on read. My anxiety has been climbing up the walls and I feel paralyzed. Sounds to me like you still love him. I do. I think I probably use the word loved in past tense because I'm really trying not to. Uh, A lot has unfolded since I sent that um, email off to you guys and I'm doing my best to stay away. Oh, well, we we Um, have to hear what's what's unfolded since you sent this in. Well, when I found when I found out about this baby, Uh um, I was visiting my daughter a couple hours away and um, his mother had actually called and told me because she had only just found out also. Because all I had heard from him when he was pushing me away before I went to visit my daughter a couple of weeks ago was something is going to be happening next week. Everything is going to change and you're not going to like it and you're not going to want to be around. So I didn't know what to think. And then he kind of just stopped talking to me altogether, wouldn't answer my texts. I didn't know if it was some kind of weird threat. I didn't know what the heck was going on. So then I got the call from his mom because I kind of told her I was concerned. Like, why would he say something like that to me? Like, and I even told her, I said to him in joke, what is somebody pregnant? Like, you know, it's quite possible, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. And she called me and told me that, um, about that. And he eventually did text me when I was on the day that I was coming back, driving down from my daughter's to home. He didn't even tell me, um, what had gone on. He didn't know that I knew anything. All he did was send me a picture of this baby in his bed, sitting with his other children. I see. And that, that's how he answered me. And, um, I, I, I was struggling with myself. I don't know. I'm like, I, 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 can I see the baby? Like I didn't, I didn't, I, I was, I was so in shock. I didn't know what to do. And, um, and you, the I, reason I, you were in shock is what? Because it's just time for me to let go. Cause this is just like the, this is the final shit. I can't, this is, this just tops all of it. This is like, now this is me just being an absolute fool. If I hang around because I know he's showed me who he is mm-hmm. and I just keep thinking, oh, but it'll get better. It'll- okay. Let me ask you this question. You said this is the absolute tops and now I'm just being a fool. There are people who would say that after, let's say, the first 15 or 20 cheats that you know of, you were being a fool or even some would even say after the first one, you were being a fool. But for you, this is but for you, this is a whole different level. Um, and what yeah. is it about him having a baby that is so much worse than him cheating 30 or 40 times? Help me understand. What is it for you? I, I almost just came to terms with the fact that that was the kind of man that he was. And because I felt like I very much codependent on him, I guess, and um, him to me also for a lot of things, I, I, I put up with uh, his womanizing stuff because at least he wasn't... Um, what you know? At, at least, least at he least wasn't, wasn't what? At least he wasn't like beating me, or you know, I, I made light of it, right? So, sure, sure. At um, least he wasn't beating me. Okay. And you know, isn't that, what's and, that? And I, I know, I know how bad it sounds because I, I, I sit with myself a lot, and I really, I really think about um, why I, why I uh, let people treat me like that. And what know? do you come and, up with when you're having those thoughts? What's your theory on that? I, I have a lot of thoughts that go through my What's head. What's your but primary theory that you believe is the reason you let people treat you like that? Uh, feeling not good enough, I guess. Really? Like, um, feeling yeah. not good enough. That's fair. And, and just l- giving more love because he keeps promising that he won't be this way forever and, and that he'll get help eventually and that, you know, we will... We will figure this out. It's always, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. That's what I always hear. And I just, 
I, I don't understand what I'm doing. I, I don't know why I'm holding on loneliness. Okay, let me ask not- you let me ask you this question. Um, so feeling not good enough, uh, just out of curiosity, is he the primary, is he the first person in your life to really make you feel like you're not good enough? No, he actually, uh, aside from the fact that he sleeps around behind my back, he's, uh, he tells me wonderful things about me every right. day. Right. That wasn't the question. The question was, is, okay. is he the first person to treat you like you're not good enough? Because that's how he's treating oh, no. you. No, oh, okay. no, no, no. Oh, okay. Uh, so who was the first person to treat you like you're not good enough? Maybe my kid's father. Um, okay. I don't know. I mean, I think about my childhood. I, I never had a parent in my life as a child that ever made me feel like I wasn't really good enough. Okay, um, fair my, enough. So both your parents were still married. They were married uh, when you were growing up, right? No, it was my stepdad. Um my mom was married to him till I was 14. He was an alcoholic and he used to physically um, hurt my mom, not yeah. me. Okay. So um, s- stepdad would physically hurt mom. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, was that only when he was drunk or when he was so- sober as well? When he was drunk. When, when he drunk. Was drunk. Okay. So I played the protector of my mom a lot because he would never touch me. Uh-huh. I used to protect my mom, you know, otherwise I couldn't go to sleep at night fearful, you know, that, um, he was going to hurt my mom. So that's a whole other topic of having resentment towards my mom. (laughs) Uh I protected mom and couldn't sleep at night for fear something would happen to her. What were the ages that your stepfather was in your life? From three till 14. Three to 14. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, what happened at age 14? Presumably they divorced or something. Yeah, she uh, just packed up, packed me up one day. I don't even remember it. I wasn't even warned. Okay. I was just packed up one day and we moved. And uh, so then it was just the two of you until you moved out on your yeah. own? Okay. Yeah, so, I left home um, when I was 15, like oh, a year later. Oh, when you were 15. Where did you go? I just started staying with friends. All this, I had lost my virginity pretty much as soon as we moved. I went from being kind of a farm kid to... In the city, um, totally different life, mm-hmm. and I grew up kind of really fast. And okay. uh, just out of curiosity, not a major point, but just out of curiosity, um, how old was the person that you lost your virginity to at fourteen or fifteen? Uh, Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. So then, uh, from fifteen on, you're living with friends until what? I kind of bumped around back and forth a bit, and then I met somebody at 16 that I was with for eight years. And was that the person who, did you marry that person? No, no, he was just uh, someone I was with for eight years that was in and out of um, prison. Okay, in and out of prison, right on. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that puts you at age 24, then what happened? I packed up uh, with a cousin of mine, and... I had some family living uh, out east, and I didn't have anything tying me, really, because I had already left that person of um, of eight years mm-hmm. while he was in jail. Mm-hmm. Packed up and moved to visit some family and decided I liked it there, and I stayed there mm-hmm. um, up until uh, 2012. And I came back toting two kids and their dad at the time. I I who I had met, who I had met out there. I had two kids out there. And married or didn't marry? No, not married. We, we, uh, we were kind of on again, off again during um, both the kids that we had together. There's quite a big age gap between the two of them. Uh, how many years age gap, just out of curiosity? Uh, 16 and 25, 24, okay. so eight years. Eight years. And so yeah. uh, you and he were together how long then? 12 years, is it? 12 years. Okay. Fair enough. All right. All I'm right. terrible at math. I, no, I no, you're great. It just helps me <laughs> I sort of. I don't know how many years. That's all right. I know I left him in 2012. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. And then since, and then how long was it from 2012? When did you hook up with this uh, present? It would have been just a year, a few years later, 2000, right? 2015. Okay. Yeah. 2015. And were mm-hmm. you alone from 12 until 2015? No, I had uh, one, uh, a couple relationships, one that was for about a year. Okay. 
Um, and what was the, and just out of curiosity, the relationship that you were in for 12 years um, with the father of your children, um, what was the nature of that relationship? Was that a hurtful relationship in any way or what? Yeah, yeah he was quite an alcoholic. Okay. And, um, How did he treat he you? Quite, quite emotionally abusive and a lot of cheating. I see. And mm -hmm. just out of curiosity, as long as we're on the subject, um, how did that first person of eight years from age 16 to 24 treat you, the fellow that was in and out of prison? He treated me uh, okay, I guess, but there was quite a large age gap. I was 16 and he was 24. 16 and 24, um, okay. Did you, yeah, and you awesome. first met when you were 16? Yes. I see. Okay, 16 and he was 24. Now, not sure what one of the United States you're in, but I think that qualifies as statutory rape in most states. Is that, was that seem accurate, sure Rob? Does. Okay. Um, yeah. And so uh, your mother didn't know about that relationship, shall I assume? She knew and she used to threaten to call the police all the time. But, you know, um, once I was older, I must have been close to turning 17 or something. I'm not sure. Um it, it, I was I was of legal age at that point where I lived. Uh, up, so she threatened to call the police up until you turned seventeen. I, yeah, I can't. You know, I can't remember. I I know I was sixteen, but um, yeah. you and I live a different. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I, I think yep. it was legal, but nope. I do remember her. The sixteen. Saying, wait, the I sixteen could, and twenty four was legal, or the seventeen and twenty five was legal. I'm just 16 curious. and 24, I think. I think it was legal at uh, 15 or 16 from where I'm from, but I could be wrong. Okay. I, and under what circumstances would your mother threaten to call the police? She was extremely worried about me and I had gotten pregnant. Okay. And so you got pregnant mm -hmm. at age 16? Yes. I see. And you say threatened. Usually I threaten someone when I feel like they are a threat to me. So why would she threaten, per se? It was a lot of, um, if, you, if you have this baby and if you keep going on the way that you're going, like, I can't handle this. It's, it's so much stress on me. It's going to break up my marriage. All of this stuff that you're doing. Um, you can't have this baby. And then, and then it just, I left him for a period of time. And so then everything was fine between myself and my mother but and then but then I went back and um she just kind of was like well whatever if you're happy uh what can I say so she had given up on you at that point then or given up on trying to change you or fix you yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta yeah. admit it's interesting you you know she threatened to call the police and uh you know you said she was worried about you but then you cited some of the sentences that she would say you don't know mm -hmm. the stress on me it'll break up my marriage right it was about her Yes. It wasn't about you. I mean, if she was really concerned about you, and if it was illegal when you were 16, if she was really concerned about you, she would have called the police. There'd be no threatening. It just is. Nobody has, no 24-year-old is going to be around my 16-year-old daughter. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, um, your children are approximately, what, in their late teens, mid to late teens? 16 and 24. And uh, boy, girl, girl, what what do we got? 16-year-old uh, boy and 24-year-old girl. 24-year-old girl. And yeah. uh, just out of curiosity, when your daughter was 16, uh, would you have been okay with her uh, seeing a 24-year-old man? Nope. And she, and she did. She's followed in my footsteps almost to the T, and it's heartbreaking. Then she, you say, wait a minute, no, I wouldn't allow it. But then you said, no. but she did. Uh, she did, and then she left home, and uh, I had no contact with her, no idea where she was for quite some time. Did you call the and police? She, uh, I didn't have to because um, somebody else called the police because she was getting physically abused, and somebody heard it, and he was arrested. And um, He was arrested no longer, or she was arrested? He, he, he was, was arrested. Right. Yep, she's ended up in an abusive relationship. Okay. Um, and, and so when you were with the fella from prison, uh, is that was 
eight years, and then you met uh, this other fellow after you had moved out east, her, your daughter's father, and he was an alcoholic, emotionally abusive, and cheating, and you stayed with him. Um, what do you believe uh, you modeled for your children in the 12 years that you were with that fellow? That it's uh, okay to, it's okay to um, get shit on every day and just take it over and over. Mm, And and I, I apologize to my daughter all the time for um, witnessing what she did because she is so much like me. Mm -hmm. And my mom never, um, my mom never talks to me about my childhood. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've always uh, said, you know, um, told my daughter that um, if she ever needs to talk to me or if she's ever angry at me for any of the stuff that she had to go through as a kid that, you know, I I would be there for her. What do you think your daughter most wants from you or for you? She just wants me to be happy. She's really doing really well now. Mm -hmm. And when she worries about her mother, what does she Mm -hmm. wish her mother would do? All she says to me now is that she wishes that I would just find somebody that would treat me the way I deserve to be treated because I treat everybody else the way that I want to be treated, but I don't seem to get it in return. Right, because you were conditioned as a child that how you are treated doesn't matter. You were treated, you were talking about your mother and that you stood in front to protect her. The child is feeling obligated to protect the parent in a physically abusive situation. That should have never happened. A, you shouldn't have been kept in a, in a situation where there was physical abuse in the home, but a parent should never allow a child to step in front of the parent and take the blows or fight for her or anything like that. So a parent allowing that, as your mother did, is sending the message to the child, you exist to protect me. My feelings are important, yours aren't. Furthermore, the mere fact that your mother stayed with your stepdad for 11 years, 11 years of physical Mm -hmm. abuse means she modeled for you Give, 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 placate, placate, just do everything, walk on eggshells, tap dance, give the man everything. You should put up with everything. That's what she modeled. She modeled for you that when you get into your relationships, eat it, eat everything. I guarantee somewhere in that message as well is you don't want to be alone because that's what mom was saying. Getting punched in the face is so much better than being alone. Getting punched in the gut or thrown against the wall, or threatened with a knife, or whatever it was, is so much better than modeling for my daughter strength and standing up for herself. Do you want to know why your daughter turned out just like you? It's because you're not standing up for yourself. You have modeled for your daughter that it's okay to be cheated on. You have modeled for your daughter that it's okay to be mistreated, that I should hang (laughs) on this man, that I so desperately need someone to love me. You said she wants you to be happy, and she says she wishes you would find a man who would treat you well. But finding a man who would treat you well requires saying no to the men that don't treat you well. And that's the glitch, isn't it? You're terrified to walk away from someone who doesn't treat you well. You're terrified of being alone. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. Right, you're not right. Wrong. And, and I right. see my daughter trying to protect me the way that I wanted to protect my mom. And I don't want that for my daughter, you know? So I and for So you myself, have to protect yourself. Want- you have to protect yourself yeah. so yeah. that she doesn't feel obligated. She will continue to try to protect her mother until yeah. she knows and can see, regardless of all the words coming out of your mouth, Jennifer, she needs mm-hmm. to see that you can protect yourself and make good decisions so that she doesn't feel obligated, so that she doesn't feel the need to protect you. Absolutely. Absolutely. More to come, but right now, let's take a quick break. I'll be right back. So I was telling a buddy of mine how he seems happier. He told me about the book that changed his life. So I bit. I went to the Badass Counseling website and downloaded There's a Hole in My Love Cup audiobook. I started listening to it on my commute home from work, and holy cow, 
It was a Louisville slugger to the face. I literally sat in my car in the driveway night after night, listening through to the end of a chapter or doing the journaling exercises. My wife started to see changes. I started to change a lot. My default response stopped always being anger. Now I manage a team of salespeople and I changed as a leader. I was listening more, not always just reacting. When their numbers started going up seemingly out of nowhere, I knew what the reason was. There's a hole in my love cup is now required listening for any person on my sales team or working for me, and I gladly buy it for them. You gotta listen to this book. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. And we are back with the Badass Counseling Show. We are talking to Jennifer, who has been in and out of some long relationships and presently is in a relationship where she knows definitively that she has been cheated on at least 30 to 40 times in eight years. Lots of one-night stands, and those are just the ones she knows about. He says that he can't, that he's gone to um, Sex Addicts Anonymous, and he says they can't help him, and he says, I just can't help myself, sort of. He just is this way. Um, says he's miserable, um, but it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> right, right. But we it's all have pain. Too. We all have pain. I know. Yes, we do. I know there's pain there too, so. Sure, oh, of know. course. He's he's trying to get a his own love cup filled and needs the constant uh, feeling of conquest or the constant feeling like he's a man or something likely at That's some exactly age. That's exactly what he yeah, said too. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's, I just don't know. Yeah. yeah. He's likely been, was emasculated at some very young age and, and feels lack of sense of worth or something, but I'm speculating on that. And I don't really care about him no. at this moment. I care about you. And so let me ask you this. You say I've stuck by through every single dirty revelation, I've even allowed it at times just so I didn't get sidelined. Now, that's a really interesting phrase, that I would allow it just so I didn't get sidelined. In other words, getting sidelined is another statement for where you're at right now. You've been sidelined. In other words, you're alone and you're not wanted, right? Right. And what yeah. is it, what happens to you when you feel not wanted? You said climbing up the walls and feeling paralyzed and feeling lost, um, say a little bit more. What's it like knowing that someone that you're trying, you've been trying to love and you've tolerated everything, wishing he'd just treat you kindly back. What's it like to be sidelined? What's it like to be rejected, to have his back turned on you, to have only breadcrumbs? It's a really desperate, um, feeling and, um, I'm trying my hardest. I'm probably doing better in this last week than I have every other time this has happened because I feel my thoughts have changed a little bit and I'm not honestly when I came across your videos it was some certain things that you said that kind of made me change the way that I was thinking and um what changed in your thinking when you said who's that person that that's holding that you're whose collar you're holding while they're punching you in the face mm. I have watched that video probably 10 times in the last three days mm. Since I came across you just in this last week. I should probably speak and a little more clearly so you don't have to watch it 10 times. It, I just do because I need to keep reminding myself that this is what I'm in for if I keep pushing myself to stay in his life. True. But Jennifer, you were holding on to callers while getting punched in the face long before he came along. Right? You're right. Yeah. And so yeah. let me ask you, who's the first person that uh, emotionally or verbally, maybe physically, but who was the first person to punch you in the face while you held on to their collar, hoping they would love you? Probably, maybe my dad. Probably my dad. Your, and by dad, you mean your stepdad? My real dad. My your real, real dad. dad. Really? Yeah. You you haven't mentioned him up till now. What was your relationship with your real dad? My real dad had cheated on my mom. I can't remember if it was while she was pregnant with me or right after. But when she found out that she was pregnant with me, I think they already weren't doing well. And the plan was that he was going to leave after I was born. Mm -hmm. And then I came into the world and, and he didn't leave right away. He he stuck it out with her for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. But um, my dad was always, uh, he's kind of a gypsy in the way that he was always kind of 
you know, he would head down to California and on all these adventures. And even some point in his life, he was living in a cave in California, like all these crazy stories. And so you're saying you've been wanting his love. You're holding on to his collar while he punched in your face. And just out of curiosity, what is the main form that your dad's um, metaphorical punching you in the face took? Was he mean to you? Did he put you down? Did he hurt you? Oh, okay. Never. He just, I... I would only see him like every couple years throughout so, my young life. So the primary was, way that your dad inflicted pain on you then was what? Was to show up. He would stay at our house for a few days because mm-hmm. my mom remained friends with him. Mm-hmm. She remained friends with all of them. Show up and then what? Leave. Show up and, and I would get close to him for a few days and he would be gone and I wouldn't see him again or hear much from him for maybe another year or two. And it it, it was like that throughout... Most of my childhood until I moved back where I had my kids out east mm-hmm. where he lives until I moved back there. And, and um, when did you stop sort of trying to connect with your dad or when did you stop? So when did you sort of accept that you weren't going to get your love needs met from him or maybe you didn't just out of curiosity? I wrote him a really long letter when I was pregnant with my second child. I felt like I didn't have a lot of support out there. And so you um, were in your, what, mid-20s then when that happened? No, I my son, so 16 years ago. Can you do the math? Um, sure, but so early 30s then. Yes, yes. So, so in your early I, 30s, you sort of let go of the notion that I'm going to get my love needs met from my dad. You sort of let go of his caller so to speak. So he couldn't punch in the face anymore by walking away. Then I guess I'm just wondering, so if the way that he punched you in the the face, we were talking about this metaphor of, you know, from the the video of mine that you saw where you're holding on to someone's collar while they keep punching in the face. And I just don't ever let go of the collar. You're talking about your, your dad and, and, um, and how you've always sort of been wanting that connection and the way he hurts you or metaphorically punches you in the face, is that he shows up, gets close, and leaves. I guess what I'm wondering, though, is if you could have it any way, whose approval and acceptance and acknowledgement of the pain that they've caused you and maybe even apology, whose would you want more, your mom's or your dad's? I've already gotten my dad's. My My dad and I are really close now, thankfully. Have you ever gotten the love that you've wanted from your mother every day. I mean, I, I, really? I talk to my every mom. day since well, when well, okay, every day since when, because when you were a child, she let you defend her when you were going through a hard time. She says, Hey, this baby thing is putting stress on me. It's going to break up my marriage. That's not love. That's you need to fucking change because it's upsetting my life. So I'm wondering what that was. I, um, I don't know how to put it into so much has happened over the years. I, um, why would you move out from your mother's house when you were 15? Why would you want to move out when you're 15 or 16? 16 it was. Why would you want to move out? I just didn't want any rules at that point, I guess. I just didn't want to. Okay, so rules, right? And what did you think of your mother's rules? What did you think of how she was raising you? What was the problem? If it had been felt safe and loving and secure and there's food in the fridge and a roof over your head and, you know, the heater was working, you know, warmth or air conditioning in the summer, the south, whatever, you wouldn't have wanted to leave, to go out on your own. I don't think you were running to anything. I think you were running from something. And I want to know know. what you were running from. I don't know, because I didn't really have a whole lot of rules as long as I... Wait a minute. You just said the reason you left is because you didn't want the rules. And now you're saying you didn't have a whole lot of rules. So which was it? I guess... I don't... I don't know how to put it. What was the relationship with your mother when you were 15? When you were 14? When you were 12? When you were 16? Quite controlling about what I did, what food I put in my mouth. Uh, just out of curiosity, do you have any food issues today at age, you know, in your 40s? Yes, I do. Okay, food, food issues today. Okay. Yeah. And she was controlling about food you put in your mouth. What else? What else was she controlling about or what else was mom like when you were a teenager? God, I don't know. She's always, she's a people pleaser. She's always kind of been that way. But not with you. You wouldn't have left if she was a people pleaser with you. Why did you leave your mother's house? If it was so not a big deal, you wouldn't have left. 
Why did you leave? What were you so angry about or so hurt by? At that point, I think it was, uh, I was wanting to have sex. I was wanting to be with boys. I was wanting to do the things that mom wouldn't approve of, nor would any mom now that I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want to be told, you know, I just want to do whatever the heck I wanted to do at that point without any repercussions. And And what would the repercussions have been if you had gone on a date with a boy, which is pretty normal behavior for a 16-year-old girl? That would have been fine. That would have been fine. Okay. But um, I don't know why I left. I I can't pinpoint the reason. Oh, take a shot at it. If you were to take a guess, knowing you could change your mind tomorrow, what do you believe the reason was? What really was it, the reason that you left? You're crying right now. What are you crying about? What are you feeling right now? I didn't want to be around her. Why didn't you want to be around her? I don't know. I I didn't like it when she would sit close to me or touch my hair. Oh, wow. um, Oh, wow. I I, I still, I talk to her on the phone every day and she, she's, um, you know, she's the happiest, most positive person, but I still can't tell my mom I love her. And, and she, she. Wow. Why can't you tell your mom that you love her? That's like, Inside, I resent her, I guess. What do you resent your mother for most? What do you resent her for most? Because she didn't protect me from the things that I shouldn't have had to see when I was little, probably. And I can't talk to her about it. Because? Because whenever I've tried to bring it up, she says, don't blame your problems on your childhood. You know, I did the best, I did the oh. best that I could. And oh. I said, I'm not blaming. I said, I'm not blaming. I just, I want to, I need to talk about it. But she doesn't like to talk about well, it. Well, of course. Why do you think that is? I know. Why? Say it. Why do you think she doesn't want to talk about it? Because she was a shitty mom. She was a shitty mom. How does it feel to say that she was a shitty mom because up until basically now it doesn't it doesn't feel right for me to say that she was a shitty mom why because because i seen her working so hard to make sure i got everything that i wanted you know that um you know there's a guy by the name of abraham maslow who created what's called a hierarchy of needs um for the human animal and it's sort of a triangle and at the very bottom of the the triangle in other words the most basic need is warmth warmth which really if you're a little baby coming out of the womb the thing you need most is warmth. You're naked. And if there's not an entity that you can have body heat from, you're going to freeze to death. I mean, unless you're like in the deep South, but then you need cool, you know, whatever. And, and with that, then warmth is a form of protection from cold, right? And, and what he also said were the basic needs were protection and then, and then food, water, shelter, and so forth. But that very first need for warmth, for protection, for connection, she gave you all the other stuff, but she didn't protect you. You literally said, I resent her because she didn't protect me. And even when you're having a baby, it was about her fucking feelings. Let me ask you this, just out of curiosity. What are the single biggest truths that you have never spoken to your mother about your mother? Not about you, not about how you feel, but about her. What are the single biggest truths you've never spoken to your mother about her? Exactly what I just told you about. Say, um, say it again. About about. Um, you didn't protect me. You're a bad yeah. mom, bad parent. I, I I have a hard time saying that. And yet you said it. And yet you say, and so what does that say? That for a person who has a hard time saying someone was a bad parent, you actually said it. It almost has, that's how big the problem is. If, if it were easy for you to say, ah, she was a shitty parent, if it were easy for you to say that, then her, you saying it wouldn't carry as much weight. But the fact that it's so hard for you to say, and yet you still say it, that says how bad a parent she was. She did not protect her daughter. Job number one, protection. And she didn't do it. And your father, yeah. your father checked out, fuck him. And your stepfather was abusive to your mom. And 
Your mom didn't even protect you from him. She didn't say, go in your room, young lady. You, this is not your fight. This is mine. I got it. No, she was happy to let you step in front time and again, and you couldn't sleep. She didn't get her fucking ass out of there and take her baby with her. No, she stayed yeah. in it. No, that's bad parenting. You don't protect your child. That's bad parenting. It, it just is. And I, and I became that parent. Okay. I just want to break that. And that's what we're working on right here, right yeah. now. So you didn't protect me and you're a bad parent. There are a couple of the biggest things that you've never said to her about her. Let me ask you this question, though. What are the single biggest truths of how you feel towards her that you've never spoken to her? Now it's about how you feel. How do you feel towards your mother that you've never spoken to her? Well, you already said you resent her. So that's a start. Okay. How else do you feel towards your mother that you've never spoken to her? I sometimes feel like um, she owes me something. Okay. And I feel... Uh, what does she I, owe you above all else? Just to acknowledge that I've carried this you know, throughout my life. And she clearly um, she has indicated she has no intention of acknowledging anything that she, that you claim she has done. She's flat out said that. Get over it. Can't blame your past, blah, blah, blah. She has no intention of acknowledging. Let me ask you this. Which would, which do you really want more? The acknowledgement or an apology? The acknowledgement because you can't go back in time. So. All right. So you had, you are, I believe we established you are 47 years old-ish, something. I'm I'm 50. You're 50. All right. So you have I'm a 50-year pattern of behavior uh, in your mom that she has no intention of acknowledging the pain that she has caused you. 50 years. You have a 50-year pattern of behavior. Now, your present man that you have been with for, I believe you said, eight years, eight has, years has cheated on you 30 times. But after eight years, you're wanting to move out. So you have an eight-year pattern of behavior that you're basically believing now. It's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. He's not going to change. Okay. So you believe an eight-year pattern of behavior, but you don't believe your mother's 50-year pattern of behavior that she has no intention of acknowledging. It's literally six times as much as the eight-year pattern of this fellow. So let me ask you, I asked you the single biggest truths about how you feel towards your mother that you've never said. One of those is resentment. Two, she owes me. How do you feel towards her. Boy, give me a feeling word. Mad, sad, bad, glad, frustrated, elated, excited, exuberant, lethargic, blue, melancholy. What are some words of how you feel towards her that you've never told her? I feel guilty. You I feel guess that, um, I don't even know why. Why do you feel, feel guilty? Why do you feel guilty? In one sentence or less, you can change your mind tomorrow. Why do you feel guilty? I don't even know. I don't even know why. Do your best. Come on. You're doing great. Use your words. I feel... Uh, guilty that you're saying bad things feel, about your mom? I feel bad that I I can't tell her that I love her. Um, every day when we get off the phone, she's like, I love you. And I'm like, uh, me, me too. You know, you too, whatever. And I, and when the, and you know, when the odd occasion comes around, like her birthday, oh, come on, at least tell me that you love me. And then I say it. And sometimes then she's like, oh, you said it. And she gets all weepy and sad. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. And I just kind of want to pull away from her. I'm like, oh, I got to get off the phone. Right. And this so. is the one thing you have that she wants. You've wanted her love your entire life. You've wanted acknowledgement for 50 years of all the shit she's done. And you have one way of punching her in the face. You have one way of saying, fuck you. For everything you have done to me, fuck you. And your way of doing it is not by saying fuck you. It's by not saying what she wants you to say. You are so fucking angry at her. You are so fucking bitter at her for what she did. And I got, I got news for you. You have every right to be. Sorry, I, I fucking hate your mom. You don't protect a fucking child. You don't protect a child. Sorry. And then your child is, is 16 and she's with a 24-year-old. Sorry, fuck you. You don't call the fucking police. Fuck you. Sorry. Not sorry. I hate your mom. And I guess I'm just curious after everything she did and everything she subjected you and forced you to stand between, let you stand between her and her abuser, and she didn't get you out of there, I guess I'm wondering, 
How is it that you don't hate her? Or do you? No, I don't hate her. Really? Not even one? So you have never in your lifetime hated your mother? Not since I was a teenager. No. Not, oh, so you're admitting then when you were a teenager, you hated your mother? At times. Okay. Would it be safe to say that when you were 16 and moved out of the house, you probably hated your mother? Yeah. When did your hate for your mother go away? I think when I started to have my own children. Really? Why is that? When I seen how tough it was. Oh, so you excused her behavior. You saw how hard it was, and gee, I can't be mad at her. She, gee, she did her best, and so on and so forth. You, you excused her behavior, right? I suppose, And yeah. yet, you're still not saying, I love you. You still resent her. Yeah. So you didn't excuse her behavior. You're still fucking livid about it. Let me ask you this question. Um, if your mother had uh, raised your daughter the way she raised you, let's say... You became incapacitated and, you know, went into a 20-year coma. Knock on wood, let's, let's hope it never happens. But, and she had raised your daughter exactly the way she raised you. How would you feel towards your mother? Give me a feeling word to, know, to see your daughter in the movie of your life. See your daughter's face. Disgusted and angry and... Disgusted and angry. Would um, you hate her for doing that to your daughter? Absolutely. Wait, wait, stop. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So you would hate her for treating your daughter that way, but you don't hate her for treating you that way. I have one more question in this sort of, uh, and well, at least one. And the question is simply this. Have you ever in your life hated yourself? Yep. Do you hate yourself right now? Are you crying? Yep. Talk, talk to me. What are you feeling right now? Why are you crying? It's okay. It's I just want all of, I don't know. You want it all want to go away? But all this shit to just stop. That's right. Let me ask you, in your lifetime, have you, is it accurate or inaccurate that you have hated yourself most of your life? Yes. Yes. And yes, what would you say over the course of your lifetime, the average amount of hate that you have felt for yourself has been? Has it been 2%, 77%, 99.9%, 43%? What percent over the course of your lifetime? Well, it's getting right up to the top there for sure. Do your best. Give me a number. 99%, I and, guess. And I that's know. where it is. No, you're doing great. You're doing great. This is hard stuff, Jennifer. You're doing great. And mm -hmm. so, and uh, is it safe to say it, it, that that number has been quite high, right up near 99% or at least quite high most of your life. Is that accurate? Yes. And, and what do you think the earliest age was that you first started hating yourself? I don't even know. If you were to do your best. You're doing great, Jennifer. Do your best. I don't have a lot of memories sometimes of when I was little, I think. I don't know if it's... Uh, sure. So of the memories, uh, well, and oftentimes a child's memory will do that to protect itself because it's so painful. It's so scary. Uh, that the child's memory will shut down as a self-protection mechanism. So of the memories you do have, or if you were to sort of spitball it, what would you say the earliest that it was that you hated yourself? I, I remember one incident, one incident in particular, because I told you I've struggled with weight my whole life. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I hear this thing in my head all the time. Every time I eat something I shouldn't have, as I remember... When I was young, climbing up onto the counter because there was cookies there, and I was probably about uh, nine or ten, okay. probably. Mm -hmm. And I opened the jar and I took cookies out. My mom came in and she's like, "What are you doing?" And I and I had two cookies in my hand. I said, "Oh, I said getting me and you a cookie." She's like, "Well, I don't want one." She's like, "So just put them back." And and I had to put them back and not have any. I remember her saying, do you really think that you need that cookie, Jennifer? Hmm. And I remember feeling so shameful of myself. Hmm. And, um, and, and I, and that's, it was right around that age when I used to, um, hide junk food, um, hide food, uh, eat compulsively when no one was looking. Sure. Um, it was, 
that's the farthest back memory I can remember where I really feel like I really didn't, there was something like, I felt like there was something wrong with me. You know, I was being made to feel like, you know, if I did that, I I just felt ashamed. Right. I was being made to feel that if I did that, basically I should be ashamed of myself. That's a form of self-hatred. So we know it started at least as early as eight or nine. That I can remember. That you can remember. So just so we've got it straight. And you, you, you're just doing so great today. And you're so, you're really putting your finger on stuff. You're really doing great. So what you have just told me is that the average amount of hate that you have felt for yourself over your course of your lifetime is roughly 99%. And that you have felt it the first time you remember feeling shame and self-loathing, ashamed of yourself is eight or nine. So for 41 years, 42 at least, you've been feeling self-loathing and shame. And yet, the person who caused all of this, you don't feel one ounce of hatred towards. Not only that, if she had raised your daughter the way she raised you, you would hate her. You said it yourself. So you've been taught to hate yourself. You admit that you would hate her if she treated your daughter this way, but you there's not one ounce of hate in you at all for her. Ah, ah no hatred. You understand how, for an outsider's perspective, that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I do. I think I try not to think about it because... Wait, try um, not to think about what? About some of those bad feelings that I have. To and me. what bad feelings are we talking about? And why do you try not to think about them? What bad feelings are you talking about? Because according to you, you feel some resentment resentment, and you feel bad. Uh, you feel guilty that I can't tell her I love her, but it almost sounds like you're saying something bigger than that. What bad feelings? Because when it comes down to it, um, really, if I, no matter what I need in my life, my mom, I, like as an adult now, my mom is the one that I go to. For everything, for advice, for for whatever it is, she always has. So, if I'm hearing you correctly, then your fear is that if I allow myself to feel what I really feel, then I won't be able to go to her for advice and counsel and whatever else. Is that? I just what? Yes, and she's getting older, and I, you know. Oh, um, you feel obligated because she's getting older. Well, I, she's a good. Person no, as no, a no, person. no, 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 no. Listen, <laughs> you came to me and you said, please help. So I'm going to give it to you right now. I know it feels like, you know, you. I'm sort of being hard on you. What I'm being hard on are the demons inside of you. I've got my yeah. shit shield on and my armor and my sword, and I have dived inside of you, and I am wrestling with the bullshit dragons that were put inside of you that have been chewing you up from the inside from the beginning, at least since age eight or nine. She has so fucking got you spun around that you admit if she she treated your daughter the way she treated you, you'd fucking hate her. So you acknowledge that what she did was horrific. You acknowledge it. And we know that because your involuntary actions are saying that you so dislike her. You don't want her to touch you. You don't want her to sit near you. And you can't say, I love you. And when you do, it's fucking painful. And you want to get out of there. You want to know what's really going, going on? Deep down inside of you, you fucking hate her guts. You fucking hate her guts, but you feel like you have nobody else in this lifetime and you can't let it out. You can't bear to let it out. And you let people beat the hell out of you. You let people cheat on you because the thought of being alone is horrible. You want to know why? It's not the idea. It's not just being alone, but when you're alone, all those voices All those messages that you were taught about yourself come rushing up into your head. The messages of you don't matter, which your mom clearly embedded in you. And your father did too when he walked away. But your mother did. Every time she let you take the the lumps and step in front of her to protect her. And when she says, oh, I can't bear to have you have this child. It's going to ruin my marriage and you're really stressing me out. It's been about her the entire time. Yeah. And you can't bear to let those feelings of hate out and the feelings of anger. But here's the thing. You're carrying around that hate and what it's turned into is hatred turned inward. That's what depression is. It's one definition of it. It's hatred. You've Mm -hmm. turned it on yourself. You had every right to be angry. That little girl was hurt. You were so fucking livid at her. You hated her so fucking much. You, You even admitted it. When I was a teenager, I hated her. You had to get away from her. That's how much that even a 16 year old could see clearly that how 
that 16 year old was being treated by her mother was not right. You saw it plain as day as a 16 year old and you had been seeing it for years. That wasn't something that just happened in a few days or a few weeks or a month. It had been happening, right? But you've stuffed it down now because you feel bad for her. Once again, it's her feelings. Oh, she's getting old. So you feel bad for her. It's my job to take care of mom. And maybe, just maybe, if I take care of her and do the right thing or keep doing it, maybe then she'll give a shit about me in the real way. Maybe then she'll acknowledge. Maybe then she'll take this giant, giant stone of all the shit that she has done in my life that she put into this burlap sack on my back, this 500 pound rock. Maybe then she'll take it if I just do enough, if I just do more. She conditioned you to believe that your needs don't matter, that you don't matter. And so every single relationship that you have been in in your life has modeled that. Why? Because it's familiar. You know how to eat shit. You know how to tolerate poor treatment. Your, one of your biggest problems is that you're so strong. You can endure and endure and endure and endure and it works against you. But real strength then at times is saying it hurts and I'm not gonna tolerate this anymore. So let me ask you, you've admitted that you would uh, hate your mom if she treated your daughter that way, if she had raised your daughter that way. You admitted that you hate yourself almost 100% and have been since you were eight or nine years old. Let me just ask you, and if the answer is no, then say no and say it boldly, all right? Do you have any hatred towards your mother? No. Okay, fair enough. Um <laughs> And then on that note, I am so grateful that you have been on this show. Um, Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. But I'm going to be very, very honest with you one last time. I don't buy it for one second. I don't buy it for one second. And the more you get that hatred out of you and the rage out of you, I have had clients where they took the time, a year, two years, four years, whatever it took to get it out, and then they got to the point where the hate was no longer in them, but I don't buy it for a second. And I think you've been turning that hatred on yourself your entire life, and I think you're terrified to feel what you actually feel. And I think the real reason you're lost is because all of those feelings are rushing up inside of you. And I don't blame you. You've been mistreated by the adults in your life your entire life. And you've continued yeah. to choose relationships where the exact same pattern is happening. And I need you mm -hmm. to know, Jennifer, that I honestly, I swear, I hope, I hope, I hope that one day you will have the courage to go inside that vault in which you've locked all of your real feelings and begin to let them out. And, you know, potentially with the help of a, a therapist, counselor, but there's just so much pain in there. And so many bullshit beliefs that you've been taught about yourself that you don't matter, that you're not good enough. And I, I just really hope that you'll go in and, and begin that process of getting those out. Me too. I'm trying. I'm trying. I know you are. <laughs> I know you are, Jennifer. And I believe in you. I really do. And uh, on the notion of this marriage, fuck this guy. He, yeah, right. Yeah. He's, he can't help himself. What a bunch <laughs> of shit. He's just fucking playing you along. I mean, honestly, Jennifer, I, I think every single person listening to this show is just like, oh my God, Jennifer. I know. He's I was, fuck. You know, when, I, when I got the email from you guys yeah. saying that I've been picked, yeah. I was like, I was so excited. And I was like, they picked me because I am so messed up. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> No, no, it's not that. We have, we have so many uh, interesting stories. And sometimes with our producers, when they pick one or another, it's how it's worded. Or sometimes yeah. somebody doesn't reveal anything and they'll pick that person. It can be, who knows what the reason is. Sometimes <laughs> it, sometimes maybe they just want to make it hard on me if, you know, if somebody does, isn't <laughs> revealing anything. So it doesn't mean you're not, it doesn't mean you're so messed up. It just means, I think what it means, I think I could speak for our producers when, when I say that they felt your pain. They felt your pain. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. You bet. Well, you're my first step kind of this, this whole podcast and just, I have to, I had to start somewhere and good for you. And uh, I really like the, the messages that you um, put out there that I seen on Facebook and it just kind of rang through with me and, and I need to really uh, get my shit together and, right. and do some work for sure. That's all right. And I, I recommend, you know, getting a good therapist and, 
and you know starting journaling keep your journal safe so that no one can get them and and writing yes, writing good either. good and writing letters to your the man in your life the men in your life who've hurt you and the women and and letters that you don't send just need more tools to flush it out flush it out flush it out well i want to thank you for being on the show jennifer you're really such a sweetheart such a sweetheart thank you so much you've been a treat to be on the show thank you so much and to everyone listening i want to thank you for tuning in and i think we can all give a big cheer for jennifer and and that we're all cheering her on and hoping that uh, she does the, the purging and the flushing of all the pain and that she knows we're behind her all the way. Thank you so much for tuning in on behalf of KC over in the booth and Rob the Rocket next to me. Have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of the Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.